Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Hey, Mum, come and have a look at this. I've got something to show you. Oh, God, what do you want now, Arthur? Go on, read it out. Mummy's Boy with Arthur Hill, a brand new podcast starring Arthur Hill and his mother, Lisa. What the bloody hell is this? I've signed us up to do a podcast. See, this is the contract. Oh, Arthur. It's Mummy's Boy. Mummy's Boy is my new podcast where I head back home each week to catch up with my mum and help bring her into the 21st century. Listen to Mummy's Boy every Wednesday wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to The Marla Show It isn't on the radio It's a podcast, fool You listen anywhere you go The Joe Marla Show Unbelievable (laughs) (laughs) Was it too insulting to our listeners? It's a podcast, fool I say it's passive-aggressive, but you've set your stall out early. You know, you, you, you don't suffer fools lightly. No, you don't suffer fools gladly, do you? <laughs> no, I don't. And and nor do I. I mean, I don't mind playing the fool. Or if people want to listen to this podcast but they feel foolish, that's fine. We'll welcome them in. Yeah, so maybe we should backtrack. Originally, I was going to give you an eight. I liked it. But because you used the word fool and passively-aggressively went at our potential listeners, um, you're getting a six. Yeah, I'll be I'll be happy with the six. I think I think that's fine. We should probably uh, say who we are, shouldn't we? Ah, yes. Yeah. You but you're well versed in this world and this land, and I'm not. If I had to put my arm around your shoulders, Joe, I can't because we're socially distancing. But I can put a metaphorical arm around your shoulder. It's a new world for you, the podcast world. I think you're going to be good at it. I'm glad you think that, Tom, because I've been practicing just a little bit. Go for it. I'm Joe Marler, and this is Tom Fordyce. No. I've already fucked it. <laughs> that was all right. I'm Joe Marler. This is Tom Fordyce. And welcome to our show. Can you remember our catchphrase? Because if we can't remember our catchphrase... Grow the show! Uh, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Search for The Joe Marler Show. Because we've got no friends. No followers. All alone. Story of my life, really. You, are you eating meat? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You're eating meat from a bag. I just... I thought this being the practice show... Yeah, but you can't just eat meat from it. It's an unmarked brown paper bag. What is the meat? <laughs> I've really cocked it up, haven't I? Can you even identify the meat? It's, um... Is it like kebab meat? It's just meat. <laughs> it's actually... Oh, God. Oh, God. They can hear me eating. Oh, no. Are you going to bring meat to the studio for every podcast? <laughs> what I've quickly realised is that you're a vegetarian, aren't you, Tom? Yeah. I feel bad now. No, you like, shouldn't feel I'm bad because I'm, I'm a vegetarian. You should feel no, bad because you're eating... I'm going to put eating... it away. I want yeah, but... us to try and build some sort of it's rapport not, together. It's not about my vegetarianism. It's the fact that you're recording a podcast while eating from a bag of meat. Oh, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's my first time. I completely <laughs> forgot that you can't eat meat on podcasts. I just think you want to convince people to listen to this shambles. Yeah. And I think if you start eating meat mm. in the first four minutes of your own podcast, yep. does that send a great message out? I take that feedback on board and I make a commitment to you that I'll try my hardest not to eat meat during the podcast <laughs> moving forward. 
Is that fair? That is fair. Because imagine, imagine if we had an actual guest <laughs> and you were dipping into your unmarked meat bag. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see this as a practice, I think, Joe. A bit like those, you know, those World Cup warm-up games where you end up, you look around and you think this isn't Twickenham. Yeah. And the crowd have never watched rugby before, but they've turned up because it's cheap and it's the summer and there's nothing else going on. That's what this is for your podcast. How, how are we starting it then? I think we should say something like, our guest today is an England rugby player with a colourful track record. On and off the field, he's also an author and a podcast host. Prince Harry once called him a hobo, and Princess Anne said his beard was scruffy. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Joe Marler. OK, um, you're doing that voice. It's your show, though, no, so no. that bit, when we get a guest on, you've got to do that bit. Yeah, but I have. I look up to people in the podcast world, you being one, and you've just done that opening of how to start the show in that ridiculous voice. <laughs> it was a very good voice, slightly ridiculous. So my reply is, thanks for having me. <laughs> in my best Rachel Adadeji voice. <laughs> so I'm going to suggest that having started your podcast like that, I then give you a sort of an either or. For example... Would you rather have an extra set of ears or an extra nose? I'm going to answer that as best I can with I would prefer an extra set of ears. Where are you putting them? On my receding hairline bits, twofold, cover my recedos, and it's an excellent place to hear more things. I like it. Here's one more either or, and I think it'll become apparent why I've asked this one, because this is about you, this first one. This practice episode is about Joe Marler. Would you rather, Joe Marler... Have the sound, like the ringtone of an old school mobile in your head all day forever or a thought bubble above your head. You know the cartoon ones where it looks like a cloud above your head with little cloudy dots from your head to the cloud. Yeah. In this thought bubble is actually all your thoughts. So whatever you're thinking all the time, people can just look above your head and go, oh, it's disgusting. <laughs> I'm taking the pain of having that Nokia in my ear. You well, don't physically have to have the phone inserted in your ear. You, oh. But you've got... Oh, it's the noise. Yeah. It's the ringing noise. Yeah, I'll take that one. Unless, because you are all about trust, imagine how liberating it would be. Everyone knows now. Like, there's no more pretense. There's no more having to play again. Yeah, hello, mate. Big fan of yours. Blah, blah, blah. It's just all up there. Total honesty all the time. Yeah, I, okay. I like the sound of it, but I would prefer... If we all had them, do you know what I mean? So if we're walking around and we've got them and then those people out there that are scared to ask a question or scared to talk or scared to speak up a little bit, we've got other people that go, oh, he's, she's thinking that or he's thinking that. Oh, I'll go over and speak to him a bit more. So Actually, when you put it like that, when you think about these would you rather questions more, cool, we could be here for hours talking absolute nonsense, <laughs> um, which I don't think is going to draw too many people in. So... I hope you've got a better structure to it. All right, Joe, let's, let's try some proper questions. I have been speaking to some Welsh friends. <laughs> Are you a bellend? <laughs> Joe Marla. <laughs> Would you want to do that again with the accent? You're a bellend, Joe. That is really good. And something I hear quite often, which is completely valid and completely fair. Um, I remember... That wasn't the question that was asked to my face on the 2017 Lions tour when I met up with a load of the Welsh boys and the Irish and a couple of the Scottish. But it was referenced 
after about a week or so when I did end up getting on with quite a few of the boys to which most of them came out and said actually but you're not as big a bellend as I thought you were or <laughs> hey Joe you're not as much of a bellend as I first thought you were or you're not as big a bellend as you are on the pitch you're still a bellend on the pitch but you, you're all right you're right <laughs> and that was as close as they'd get to a compliment which you know was quite nice actually the reason that some people might think you're a bellend there's two incidents there is the point where you call your opposite prop, Samson Lee, Gypsy Boy, and there's the bit where you tickle the fancy of arguably the greatest Welsh player of all time. The Gypsy thing, right, tell us what actually happened there. Yeah, so the the, the Gypsy Gate incident was back in 2016. Uh, England are playing Wales in a Six Nations game, and during a bit of a scuffle, I saw my opposite man my opposite number samson lee across from me getting involved and i went after him and saw that as an opportunity to get hold of him get under his skin you know show him that i'm not taking a backward step we're not taking a backward step as a team so i got hold of him and the actual the pre i don't know if i have said this before but the pre the lead up to the game um samson lee was quite new onto the scene so i'd done a little bit of research not just on the field Technique-wise and that lot prior to it, in, in terms of scrummaging, I just Googled him, read some articles on him. As as I do with, or as I had done, and as I do with most opposition players that I don't know or don't know much about and want to get to know a little bit more and assess that side of it as well. It's not just about how well they scrum. Right, what other advantage can I get on them? Or what do I know about them or want to know about them? Or do you know what I mean? Just a little bit more. A little bit like this show, to be honest, Tom. I, I, I actually really enjoy getting to know people's stories and it, it fascinated me. OK, what's his story then? Where's he from? What's he do? And there was one article that mentioned, I think it was the other prop that day, Rob Evans, who had done an article saying, talking about Samson Lee, saying, oh, Samson Lee had turned up at this trials and uh, he was all no, he was known as this traveller and we knew him as Gypsy Boy and we all, we all called him Gypsy Boy. We'd be like, there's that Gypsy Boy, that would be the thing. And that was, that was the article. And that wasn't something that I then took and went, it may sound like I took that and went, right, that's my angle on him. That's my thing. That wasn't, that was just part of the research. That was just, who is this guy? What's the crack? But that was clearly in, in my mind at some point. And in the heat of the moment, in the heat of that battle, in the heat of the game, I just called him what I thought the rest of his teammates called him. And at the time, I was completely unaware that it was caught on mic, on ref mic. I was also completely unaware that it could be interpreted as offensive or even racist. It was never intended to be offensive or be racist it was more a case of hang on a minute i i know you do you know what i mean and um the furore is that the word yeah thanks <laughs> <laughs> also yes good boy <laughs> um the furore that then followed was something that i'd not experienced playing for four or five years of professional rugby with the social media side of it, the the press side of it and everything else that came with it. So you're sitting at home, you quite like a bit of social media action, you're and you're on your phone a lot. You're flicking through your phone, what are you seeing? Yes. Yeah, so 
your racist scum, um, standard English wanker and all this, the arrogant prick, all your standard things that you get as an English rugby player, you know, your stereotypes of being arrogant, upper class and better than everyone. Um, but thrown in with the racist tag as well. And it was fucking phenomenal. The reel after reel after reel of abuse and rightly or wrong, like rightly or wrongly, you know, looking at it. But when I was in it, I was so adamant that I'd done nothing wrong. Completely adamant. What? How dare they accuse me of racism? It's not, it wasn't that at all. Complete shit. But it confused me because it then started making me question it all. And I had to, you know, originally I was like, no, I haven't done anything wrong. And it wasn't until I actually sat back. Probably, probably not until six, maybe eight months after it happened. And that I actually understood that what I said might not have been wrong, but it was the context. I hadn't understood the context that even if Samson Lee didn't take offence to it, that because it was picked up that someone else can interpret that as you're mocking him for his heritage and understanding that and accepting that that was the case. Um, so... Yeah, I guess that was the the sort of love affair that started with <laughs> the Welsh fans, which amaze, didn't amaze me because clearly what I did was wrong. But I thought they would actually really, up until that point, they did actually really like me because I I pretty much single-handedly, I don't want to sound too narcissistic, but I pretty much single-handedly gifted them a Six Nations Championship in March 2013 when Adam Jones completely <laughs> did a number on me and I gave away God knows how many penalties. Damn bigger, bangs them over. Damn bigger, bangs, bangs them, them over. over, bangs them over, bangs them over and I'm hauled off after the 44th minute and the damage was already done and we get pumped and we lose out on a grand slam and they beat us by that many points, they win a championship. They've, they've actually had the best night <laughs> they've Thanks. had in a... <laughs> A fair amount of years out in Cardiff. So, yeah, maybe they liked me in 2013, but they certainly didn't like me in uh, come 2016. So my Welsh mates, who I'm going to try and persuade to listen to your podcast, <laughs> they might be convinced by that. So then why was it a good idea to put your fingers on the testicles or penis of Alan Wynne-Jones? I like the way you've put it. Yep. The ball tickle. The ball tickle. You, you want to talk about the ball tickle? Okay, yeah. Um, once subtle, was it? No, that was another moment that, again, it was a sort of white-hot test match, England-Wales, as it always is. It always has been. And I knew Alan Wynn from the 2017 Lions tour and from the amount of times I've played against him. And I got on really well with him on that tour. And we've got great rapport. We still do have a great rapport, having since spoken after Bull Tickle, after Bullgate. What are we talking at? Ticklegate. Yeah, there was a lot of pushing and shoving. Again, a lot, a lot of fake tough guy stuff because you can't punch and thing. And it was kind of 10, 15 minutes in and it was kind of like, fucking hell, lads, can we get on with it? Usually I'm at the forefront of it, but the older I've got now, I'm a little bit, oh, God, right, I've got to get home. Do you know what I mean? The M25 is a killer, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to get back, lads. Um, and... I saw Alan Wynn go in for again because I remember last year down at the Principality, he had wound Kyle Sinclair up 
what's an analogy that I can use there? Like a <laughs> like a clock. He'd probably wound Carl Sinclair up down there to the point at which Carl was, and he he's admitted it himself, was becoming a bit of a liability in that game, giving away a couple of penalties, hot headed. And you could see Alan Wynn, there's a famous picture of them two together, like smiling in his face when they've squared up. And he'd done a number on him. Unbelievable rugby player, like you described as one of the greatest rugby players to play for Wales. But he's also a master of the wind-ups. He is a master of getting under people's skins. And I love that because that's kind of what I build my game around because I haven't got a lot else to to build it around. (laughs) So you go with your strengths. And I, I remember seeing that as a fan because I'd retired then and that was the thing in my mind. And I'd said during the week when we'd, we'd spoken about it, I said, what are we going to do if, if Alan Wynn starts his tricks again, starts trying to wind up the young pups? And I just held up my hands and I said, I'll look after him. It's what I'm good at, like he is. I'll get hold of him this time. Do you know what I mean? And again, saying it out loud and having thought about it, you know, I think, Similar to Gypsygate, the question would be asked to someone who's listened to it is, oh, so it was premeditated. So you then went, right, I'm going to go at this time in the game when it kicks off, I'm going to get hold of Samson Lee and I'm going to call him a gypsy boy to wind him up. And fast forward to 2020, at this point in the game, when it kicks off, I'm going to get hold of Alan Wynn by the testicles. And there'll be people out there that go, oh, that was premeditated then. No, it wasn't. It wasn't at all. It was, I'll look after Alan Wynn. I'll try and get hold of Alan Wynn if he starts winding up. And I'd seen it at this instant. I'd seen him go in for a second time, pushing and shoving. And I thought, rather than getting hold of him, like, to do nothing, you can't get hold of someone around the throat and it's all pushing and shoving. And because I, I thought I knew him, I thought I'd just have a laugh with him or attempt to have a laugh with him and give him a little cock tickle. <laughs> and that was it. And I thought nothing else of it. Just got on with the game and thing, and it wasn't till after the game that the team manager came up to me, and she gave me a cuddle, and she went, "Well done out there, Burrow. Are you are you ready for what what you got to do in there?" I went, "What do you mean? Have I got commercial or something like that?" She said, "No, no, that thing that went on with Alan Wynn." I went, "What thing?" Like I hadn't it hadn't even crossed my mind as a thing until again, yet again, getting in, and it all kicked off again. The the second furore followed. The thing that seems to happen with you, though, right, because I'm going to have to get to know you in this podcast. We're going to have to get to know each other. So I need to know what, what you're like and what makes you tick. The people who like you seem to really like you. So Eddie Jones never comes across as that warm from the outside. Mate, he's always he's just looking at you all the time trying to wind you up. You blokes want us to lose. You're not, you're not a decent player. What are you down in the game? But Eddie seems to really like you. But then you've given him probably quite a few reasons either to not like you or you know you've retired from England duty you've come back why does he like you I don't know mate <laughs> you'll have to ask him gonna make him slightly mate, hired like that just yeah he's a bit more like that I love no I do love the the sort of games he plays with will I say you lot do I say you lot anymore what are you classing yourself as now yeah good question for the purpose of this I'm definitely yeah, in I Eddie's do, head I'm you lot yeah I do enjoy the games that he does have with you lot as to why he likes me, maybe it's our a, a, a fondness of a bottle of red. Has he given you some whiskey at one point as well? He did give me a bottle of whiskey. That turned Is out, it after a game? <laughs> turned, it was after the World Cup final, actually. <laughs> as if to go, well done 
for losing the World Cup. <laughs> I, no, it was a it was a nice, very posh Japanese whiskey. Very yeah. hard not to think of lost in translation at this point. And <laughs> <laughs> Suntory time. Uh, I think it might have been. Was it? <laughs> I think it might have been Suntory. Um, but yeah, he's very well connected over there. In fact, he's very well connected everywhere. Might he have got that bottle for free? But no, I'm suspecting <laughs> he hasn't put his hand in his pocket for it. But you know, I still appreciate the gift. No, we like it. We like a bottle of red. And I think the first time he came into the camp and took over in 2016 after the World Cup during that season, obviously Gypsy Gate had happened in the same season, and I was going through various bits and bobs on and off the field and it it got to the the summer tour to australia and i'd kind of had enough i'd gotten to a point where i needed to to escape i needed to get out of it a little bit and i remember sitting down with him in brighton well plucking up the courage because that he still had this aura around him or reputation around him of this bloke he will lose the plot. He'll fly off the handle. He is a hard taskmaster. Don't cross him, honestly. That was his reputation that he had coming to us. But none of us had experienced it in those first couple of months or anything. And then got to this camp in Brighton and I was, I'd was i made my mind up that I was going to pack it in the first time. Um, <laughs> and uh, I was I was shitting it a little bit. I was like, fucking hell, what if he starts flipping tables or you fucking ungrateful shit, fuck you. Get, do you know what I mean? Like, look, that, I was literally thinking like that. Um, but my mind was made up and I said, look, can we meet? Can we have a quick chat in the bar? He was like, yeah, mate, yeah. Went and had a chat and then I just said, look, mate, I can't come. I can't do it. And he didn't react the way I thought he was going to react. He reacted with head nod listening to what I had to say, listening to my reasons behind it. And then went, are you sure? Are you sure, mate? I don't know about my voice. So yeah, I think. Are you sure, mate? I was like, yeah, my mind. He said, anything we can do? I was like, no, nah, I think my mind's made up with this one. And he went, okay, I can tell in your eyes. You know, it was, it was quite a, a, a relatively deep, or as deep as we'd definitely been in terms of connecting. And he said, yeah, I, c- I can see it in your eyes, mate. Your eyes don't lie. So I wish you all the best. Let us know if there's anything we can do and, and go well. And that was it. And it was kind of like, oh, okay. He hasn't lost the plot. He hasn't thing. And I was like, I was, I was very grateful to him for the way he'd reacted to it and how he was so understanding with it and showing that sort of, that level of empathy. And I don't know, maybe that was a, a way of building the relationships in terms of that I was always going to be honest with him and vice versa. I wasn't going to take any shit or any bullshit and he doesn't either. So maybe there was that mutual respect in terms of that. But That was a very long winded answer. I appreciate that. And Steve's going to hopefully cut the fuck out of it. <laughs> uh, but you asked and I told you, and the short of it is, I don't know, mate, you know, maybe he's a glutton for punishment. I wonder, right. There's a thing that all, Aussie players and coaches love. They often talk about, mate, he's got a bit of dog about him. So I wonder, because he knows you're not, you haven't come through the, the ordinary route, because you seem to me to be a bit of an outsider, and in a good way. I wonder if he's looked at you and gone, I see a little bit of myself in Joe there. I don't know how well he's going to respond if he listens to us <laughs> taking the piss out of his voice. 
We're not taking the piss. Uh, I promise you we're not. We're not. <laughs> Maybe. And he has openly admitted that he likes a player or he looks at a player's character before he looks at their ability. Um, and he tends to go for a lot of players that are based around that. Those sort of guys that have had tough upbringings. And he likes that because A, he can probably relate to it. And B, he knows how hard those boys have worked to get there and are willing to work to, to stay there and work for him. So, yeah, that's that's probably a fair assessment of him. So I feel like I'm getting to know you a bit better. But in my role as the more experienced podcast hand, there's something we've got to do at this point. Do you know what we've got to do? <laughs> is this the ad break? This is an ad break. No, we've got, have, we got, have we got someone to do an ad break? I don't know at this stage, but basically we should leave space in case someone goes... This shambles is right on my street. So in this, do we do like an awkward silence and just pause? What you need to do, because we don't want people just to sack off the podcast when they hear an ad. So you need to do a sort of little tease about coming up in the second half. (laughs) Coming up in the second half of the show, dot, dot, dot. Joe talks about XXX and XXX right after this ad break. Was that, was that right? That was beautiful. Thank you. Sports stars. They're like superheroes. But they're actually real. Which is why we've made a podcast about them. You see... They've all got a story. But too many of these stories were cut short. Kobe Bryant. Payne Stewart. Flo jo, Phil Hughes. Justin Fashion You. We're writing episodes about all of them. And sadly, many more. Death of a Sports Star. A new series from Crowd Network. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Beneath the veneer of the everyday lurks the realm of the spy. From Wondery, I'm Raza Jaffrey. This is The Spy Who, the podcast exploring true spy stories you were never meant to hear, with secret operatives playing to very different rules. We'll reveal the invisible work of the world's intelligence services, unearthing daring missions packed with danger, deceit, and double crosses. Follow The Spy Who wherever you listen to podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, please, ladies, ladies, ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to continue. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Still got, I got sack of the dots. There might be a bit of tweaking we do over the forthcoming weeks, but for now, good work. Thanks. <laughs> right, there's some other stuff because I need to get to know you, like we say. And all this time you and me have chatted on Zoom when we're planning this podcast and we've got together for a coffee you always talk about daisy daisy's your wife and there's something in your book about daisy there's this story which when i'm thinking about what you're going to be like to spend time with it always makes me think what a nice man (laughs) and it's when basically you start going out with daisy when you're 13 at school yeah right and you're (laughs) (laughs) your present to her on her birthday is an r kelly cd Mm mm-hmm and a banana. This is no ordinary banana because you've just drawn a little face on it. <laughs> and then the next day, 
Does she give you a reciprocal present? She dumps you on MSN. (laughs) (laughs) So what you're doing now is playing out my pathetic teenage love life. (laughs) And I can't be all defensive or hide away or accuse you of making it up because I'm the silly sod that's written it in a book. Um, Yes, that is exactly what I bought her for Valentine's Day. And it didn't go down well, clearly, because I was dumped the next day. However, I knew it was a long-term plan thing. And it's no good, is it, if you get like the first birthday you have with them or the first Valentine's or the first... Blow them out of the water. If you buy the best present they're ever going to get, they're always going to expect more, aren't they? So I actually say, well played, 13-year-old Joe. (laughs) So, 13-year-old Joe Marler, what does he look like? Uh, 13-year-old Joe Handsome Marler. Handsome chap? What, uh, what, what's, what's the context? Because there's 13-year-old Joe Marler that, by the way, I don't feel overly comfortable by referring to myself in the third person here. So, can I say 13-year-old me? Yes. Okay, thanks. <laughs> so, 13-year-old me, who would sometimes go out with his mates, has been known to wear a big fur coat and a Zimbabwe-flagged cap, Mm. some curtains, some David Beckham-inspired highlighted curtains. Blonde curtains. Blonde curtains. And I was a big chubby lad. The sort of chubbiness where you had, you were that chubby that your nipples were inverted. That was me with some, you know, lovely, luscious Beckham curtains. See, this is good because the people we're going to be talking to on your podcast, we need them to be totally honest and we need to chat to them and get them to tell us what's really going on so the fact that you're telling me about yourself is this is perfect because this is what we need to to get from other people that's fantastic and i'm glad it's helping you because i do believe it or not want to help other people and enjoy helping other people however this is doing nothing for my trust levels of knowing (laughs) who the fuck you are (laughs) can you just give me a very quick rundown of 13-year-old Tom. I know it was some time ago. Yeah, it was. I would have liked blonde curtains, but I was what my Irish granny would say, it's got beautiful auburn hair now, isn't it, Thomas? It's got beautiful auburn hair. And what other people might have said, oh, but my nice fucking ginger. Uh, A voice is going to be a theme. (laughs) (laughs) Because I have a very special one that I can do. Can you do, could you do Nelson Mandela, but not in character for Mandela? Could you do like Nelson Mandela going down to the Riley Snooker Club? Make sure you bring your cure. Kiss, kiss, kiss. (laughs) Sorry, he sent a text. It was via text. It's a speaking text. Yes. (laughs) So if there's any uh, voice, oh, I'd like to get a voiceover artist. Maybe we should get a voiceover artist. Stick it on the list. No, you, you can't avoid the question. You've just had... All I know is that Tom's 13 and he's got auburn hair and he's got Irish heritage. All right. The other stuff is that um, 13, 13, 13. Christ, I it, was, <laughs> it really was yes, that long ago. Was long t- I would have been pe- wearing a pair of flecked trousers, pastel jumper. I would have been trying to look a bit football casual. My voice is probably doing this, Joe. Hello, Miss Person. Hello, time. I'm Miss Person. Yeah. I'm probably blushing when I see girls. Nice. I'm still blushing a bit when I see <laughs> nice girls. <laughs> the thing about trust, though, because you mentioned the first time you and me sat down, you talked about trust. You can't tell someone to trust you, can you? It just doesn't work. It's f- I don't mind that you don't trust me because we've barely met. But I hope, like 10 episodes in, that you've seen you can trust me. That's very unlikely. More often than not, you don't tend to trust someone that is saying, 
trust me. You know, they shouldn't have to say, trust me. If they're saying that, you shouldn't trust them. Because they're dodge. They're untrustworthy. And I know I did state that the first time we met, but that wasn't just specific to you. That that tends to be most of the people that I walk past or around in life because, you know, for various reasons, I do struggle with a bit of trust. But I'm hoping, like you've said, that after a little bit of time, you can show me and I can show you that I can be trusted and you can be trusted. And we're just talking about trust. Memo to self, <laughs> write jingle about trust for 10th episode. <laughs> I'm all right with that. I'm a, Listen, I would rather you were a bit suspicious to start with. No, and I think like, suspicions can healthy help Healthy suspicions. Healthy suspicions can also be curiosity. And I think if we're going to interview different people with slightly different jobs or interesting jobs or random jobs, then... You know, that might help with the curiosity side of things. Because this is a bit of an adventure, really, isn't it? I'm hoping. <laughs> Unless it's rubbish. <laughs> In which case, it's not much of an adventure at yeah, all. Yeah, and you can take the flack for that. You know, And it'll probably hit you harder. It's your name on the show. You're t- yeah, well, fucking hell, whose idea was that? Right. You and Daisy, you seem to get on really well. You love Daisy. You're always talking about Daisy. There's something I read in your book, and it was a bit scary, to be honest. You tell this story about... I don't understand what the squirrel thing was. You'd have to explain what it's saying about a squirrel. <laughs> but then you and Daisy, who seemed like this beautiful couple who started snogging when you were 13 and, you know, you're made for each other. You have this massive argument and then you can't handle it. And you go downstairs and you're booting cupboards and you're smashing the fridge and you're, you basically wreck your own house. Mm. Yeah. Caught me there, didn't you? You caught me. You bastard. Oh, you're using those old tricks in the book. You know what I mean? Those journo tricks you've you've learned. But this is you, isn't it? Because you've written that in a book, so you, you're happy to share it with people. But then when it's just you and me talking about it, it obviously feels awkward because I'd feel really uncomfortable talking about that. I don't I don't feel awkward anymore. I just I'm very aware that it, it's my life, but it's it's her life as well. So when that happened, I was at, I, I reached a, a point in my life that was very, very confusing to me at the time. And I had no idea how to get out of it, how to, I, I had no idea who I was, where I was, what I was doing or, or anything really. I'd kind of lost the plot. And, um, it was, it was squirrel gate. Um, where I'd nearly, I hadn't killed a squirrel. I'd nearly run over a squirrel on our way back from dropping the kids off somewhere. And we'd lost, she'd lost the plot. She's a vegetarian like yourself, lover of animals, loves everything. Blah, blah, blah. And she's having a go at me about this squirrel. And I'd snapped. And I hadn't been in a good place for a while. And I'd snapped. And then, like you described, lost the plot there. And originally, I was scared to share it and share that story. But the more that I have, the more that I dealt with that, the more that I owned it, the more that I talked things through with with Daisy and a professional to help with what was going on with me, the better it was, the better I felt. So selfishly, I want to share that story and that part of part of me, my mental health side side of things, which we all have. Everyone's got mental health. It's just some people have got 
really good health and some people have got really bad health and it's the same as physical health that's the way I see it and at that point I was a little bit unfit I was a little bit unwell and I think the more I've spoken about it the more it's helped me understand it more and the response I've had from different people that I have shared it with have also benefited from it and can relate in different ways to other parts of the story that took place not just on that day but prior to it and and since it so um yeah it's not it's not comfortable to talk about but that's because i think mental health isn't spoken about enough that people are comfortable so there is that stigma you know i'm 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 repeating a lot of what big mental health advocates push all the time you know the standard not cheesy lines, but the standard go-to lines. Yeah, the more you talk, the problem shared is a problem halved and talk more. But well, it's easier said than done. Um, and actually, I sp- I, someone asked me a question about it the other day or someone asked to meet me in person the other day as opposed to over Zoom. I said, oh, why couldn't we do a Zoom call? You know, I had a bit... They were like, well, no, because what I wanted to talk to you about was, you know quite sensitive and you know the mental health and all that I was like but that's the issue isn't it we we think it's sensitive because we don't talk about it if we spoke about it more as the same as a physical health issue it wouldn't have that sensitivity around it where it's taboo or you're too scared to talk about or you're you're worried do you know what I mean and and then I think a lot of people would benefit from it and it was cathartic for me to do so from a selfish point of view, it definitely helped me. And hopefully that will help give a better understanding uh, for someone else. Also, I think sometimes, so on your show, we're going to speak to a lot of different people and hopefully there'll be some really funny ones. But there's going to be some quite dark ones as well. I don't know, but this one's been pretty fucking heavy. Yeah, it has it? already, yeah. <laughs> You're putting this one out first, do you? Oh. <laughs> And actually, if you've been through something yourself, it's much easier than talking to other people about it. So I think it will help the show. Also, it's good for me getting to know you that you can talk about that stuff because that establishes trust with us. We will also do some dicking about. I fucking hope <laughs> so, mate. Because sh- it feels like it should be laid down <laughs> on a chaise lounge uh, with, you know, massaging my temples whilst telling you <laughs> what dream I had when I was nine years old. You know, that's what it feels like. I hope we're not giving out the vibe that this is going to be some heavy, heavy shit. It's not. It's, I hope I'm. Go- I want to do a mix of stuff. You know what I mean. I yeah. want to have fun getting to know these people, and if I can relate to them, or they can relate, or me and you can relate. You know, there's a lot of relating going on here. Fuck me, mate. <laughs> but fuck, we need to lighten it a little bit. Ooh, you like a hug, don't you? Yeah, it's tough at the moment. Very tough on you. Very tough. You gave me a hug when we first met. Mm. It felt a very safe place for me. That hug. Well, what I tend to do with my hugs now. Well, I actually haven't done one for a while because I can't hug anyone. But my go-to with the hugging is I insist on the person that I'm hugging. I'll ask permission. It's not like a you know forced hug. Um, I'll say, oh, do you want a hug? Uh, yeah, okay. And I'll insist that you take a deep breath in. And then on the breath out, you just give a little more squeeze. And just, you forget everything. 
And, I, you know, I've been complimented on my hugs by my wife and you. <laughs> They're just two people so far. Everyone else finds it quite awkward and uncomfortable. If we're going to do a socially distanced hug through the airwaves, I think the best way to try and do it is... Oh... So is the hug started? That was it, yeah. Right, if, so if people <laughs> listen to this, this sounds a bit weak, and they hug themselves. Okay. Like if you if you uh, listen to this in the car, yeah, just don't pretend. hug yourself. Yes, yeah. If, yeah if you, two hands on the wheel. Yeah, only if you've stopped. If you're listening at home, you could wrap your arms around yourself. This is sounding weird, Joe. This is a good idea. Yeah, but that's not important. The the, the important bit is the slight awkward silence. Perfect. Followed by. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you did it better. <laughs> nice. Well done. So this is probably the end of the, your show. Fucking Not the end of the whole show, I hope. I think it's the end of this episode. I suspect... Has it gone that badly? I suspect <laughs> it's the beginning of the end, very much. Usually at the end of an episode, you've got to get people interested in the next one, so you give a little tease. Right, what, so that's, this is what, that's what we're doing now. This, so, this is, what, so this is the end. I think this is the so end this of this is episode. this is what happens next. But we need to get people into the idea of coming back. So what's next? So what is next then? I, I can't think of a better way to get people back, Joe, than revealing who we have in the next episode as our guest. Yep, yep. Do I do it or do you do it? Cause yeah, it's your show. You do it. I'm a bit like a giddy kid, aren't I? So you you got to keep guiding me through this, please. That's all right. We'll get so with it. If I, I over-talk... If I took, we'll polish this. Don't, don't worry about it. Okay. So this is how I think we should do, like, this next bit. Okay. Next week, we have a... Next week, we have a psychopath expert. No, that I'm, I'm emphasising the wrong le- the word. I'm emphasising wrong words here. So, next week... So, so on next week's show, we have a psychopath expert. A psychopath expert. <laughs> We've also got the following lined up, Joe. An astronaut, <gasps> a zookeeper, ooh, a paramedic, Nino. a chef, chup, 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 chup. and a teacher. Sit down. So I had a teacher who was from Northern Ireland called Miss Skillfilling, and she'd always go, "Sit down, Joe. Sit down, Joe. Sit down. No, it's don't. You got to die. No, it's an eye. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down, Joe. Bite you." The other thing we've got to do is we've got to trail another crowd podcast at the end of each show. So this is a sort of we scratch their back, they scratch our back. So. I'm going to give you a piece of paper. Can you read this line? If you want another podcast, go and download Death of a Sports Star. It's really fucking good. The episode about Kobe Bryant is amazing. And the guy who presents it with that voice is just the dog's bollocks. Spoon. Elroy Spoonface Power. We have to, please, if we can, get him involved somehow. I, want to sp- I really want to meet him. You've heard a Death of the Sports Star episode. Can you do me a quick spoon... <clears throat> I can't do it justice, but I'll have to. Kobe Bryant was stuck in a shopping. <laughs> Kobe Bryant was a cracking oh, basketball player. Um, there's no way I could get anywhere near what that spoon guy can do. His voice is unbelievable. It's uh, it's, oh, it's quite. It is though, isn't it? Gets me in very. Gets me in all different angles. Yeah. To be honest, he gets me. I want to meet him. Yeah, we'll get him on. Um, in the meantime, go and find Death of a Sports Star on your podcast app. Oh, and Joe? Grow the show! Grow the show? Please grow the show. New episode every Wednesday.
from wherever you get your podcasts from. If you're feeling low, the Joe Mala Show will give you things to talk about. If you're feeling down, then the bearded clown will give you things to talk about. I just thought that was so the passive passive aggressive tone to your jingles. (laughs) Crowd Network, a place where you belong. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers.